All right, we're going to get into our message uh, here this morning. As uh, I love uh, to talk about this series, we've been in this series, The Gospel. And, uh, you know, week by week, we've been looking at some of these theological ideas and trying to understand what does it mean for our life. And uh, next Sunday, we're going to be wrapping up the series, and, and we're going to get very practical and ask the question, so how do we live out this gospel? Like, what does that mean for us? And so I encourage you, i got a number of people that are going to be helping me. Make sure you're back here next week. But today, we're going to dig into what I consider one of the most important truths that very often we don't even know, we don't realize and, uh, and I think that if you will have an open heart, I think God will speak something to you. Uh, there's one thing that I think all of us wrestle with, whether we realize it or not. And, and it is this question, identity. Identity. What is our identity? And we're all asking this very simple question, who am I? Who am I? We start asking this question from a very young age. Think about with the kids. You know, look, you can think about your kids, your three, your four, or five-year-old. They begin asking this question very early, saying, well, what, what, do I, what do I do? Who do I fit in with? Where do I fit in? You can see kids doing things that you know they don't want to do by because they want to fit in with the group. They're trying to figure out, who am I? You know, they can make poor decisions that way. And then we get into junior high and high school. And how many know junior high and high school is just a weird time, right? You just like like we all look at the junior hires in high schools. We're like we're sorry, <laughs> like we like we know it's hard. Like we don't know what to do. I don't know how to fit in. Where am I fitting? I don't I don't get it. Right? Okay. Right, some of you 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 do stupid things in high school. Okay. Some of you women out there, you had hair that looked like this when you were back in like the fifties and sixties. Some of you wore hair like this, right? Like why? Like that. Okay. All right, but. But then we get, you know, to the next decade, and some of the men, you wore things that look like this, the, these outfits. This, like, why? Why did you do that, you know? It's just crazy, okay? But then some of you, a little bit younger, some of you women, you did this kind of stuff with your hair. You had this, these bangs, you know what I'm saying? How, how many of you women hiked your bangs up? Anybody hiked your bang up? Yeah, you know, the hairspray, the whole bottle. Just work that thing. But the men aren't left out. Some of you men had this kind of look going, right? This the Just lovely. That stash, that's good. That's a good stash, okay? And then, and then we get to the 90s, and then we wore pants like this. Like, why did we do this? The Zubas? Who owns some Zubas out there? <laughs> Zubas are making a comeback, man. They're making a comeback. I love the Zubas, okay? All right, it's ridiculous. We do stupid things. Why? Because we're trying to figure out, who are we? Like, do we fit in? We're trying to make our way. And then you get to your young adult in your college years, you know? And you start asking this question, like, where, where's my meaning in life? Like, what's, what's my purpose? Where am I at? These kind of things, you know? And, and then you're, you're, maybe you're single. You're navigating life in, in single world. And then maybe you meet somebody. You get married, you're right? And you're like, you're beginning to, once again, now you're living with somebody. You're like, who, who am I? I feel like I'm, you know, and then you get kids in the equation. How many know kids ruin things and kind of just mess things up? You're like, I don't know who I am anymore. Like, and then here's what happens. The kids leave the house, and then what happens? I'm like, who's this spouse I live with? I don't know who you are. I don't, I don't know what I do. And then we get retired. You ever seen somebody get retired, and they just begin looking around like, I don't know what to do. Uh, who, like you, it's this question that we, somebody wants to get retired. That's good. You, this happens, though. We, we ask the question, like, I, I don't know who I am, right? We can spend our entire life, if we're not careful, we can spend our entire life trying to find ourselves. Okay? We try to find ourselves, but there is a truth that we need to understand, and it's this truth. Can you pull it up on the screen? If you can find your identity, 
then you can lose it. If you can find your identity, if you can pursue an identity and, and grab hold of it, guess what happens? You can lose that identity. Some of us know what I'm talking about because at one point in time, you found your identity in your kids. And then your kids went off to school. Or your kids left the house. And you lost a little bit of your identity. Some of you, you find your identity in a relationship, in a friend, in a, in a boyfriend, a girlfriend, in a spouse, and suddenly that relationship has ended. And you're a little confused. Some of you find, a re- find your identity in a job or in a career, right? And you lose that job, you lose that career, and suddenly like, whoa, I don't know who I am anymore, right? Or, or you found your identity in your appearance. You know, you were looking good, and then some things change, and like hair fall out like mine is, right? You're like, oh, who, who am I? Or you find your identity in wealth, in stuff, you know, and that sweet car you once bought is rusting now, you know? Or you found your identity in influence. You, you had influence. You had people listening to what you had to say, but suddenly they're not listening to what you have to say anymore. And you're beginning to ask questions about who, who am I? I don't, I don't quite know who I am anymore, right? If you can find your identity, then you can lose it. And so this morning what we're going to do, we've been talking in this whole series that we're going to look at the gospel like a diamond. We're turning it around a little bit, and, and we're going to find some things. And this morning we're going to find in the gospel that there is an identity that is given, that isn't found, and because it is given, it is something that can never be taken, all right? And so I encourage you to, to open your hearts to this one. I think this could transform the way you live your life from now and forever, all right? If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 3. As always, if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to have one every single week. Uh, there's a table at the back of the room. Uh, you can always borrow one from back there if you don't have it. If you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. Take it on your way out the door this morning. Uh, We're going to read that together. Would you stand with me as our tradition around here? Nothing sacred about standing. It's just what we do uh, to show our honor and reverence to God's word. Ephesians chapter 1 beginning verse number 3 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. God we thank you. We thank you that your word is true and that you want to speak to us through it Lord and I just admit that I can't convince anybody of this truth today. There's nothing I can do so I'm asking by your Holy Spirit that you would reveal this truth to every single one of our hearts. Speak into our circumstances. Reveal yourself to us we pray in Jesus name. Everybody said Amen. Amen. All right, well, the passage that we just read, uh, it actually goes on for a couple more verses. I stopped before we were done. This is like 12, 13 verses here. And in the original Greek, we know that the, uh, this uh, New Testament was written in Greek. In the original Greek, in the original Greek that, all that section is one sentence. 
It's one massive run-on sentence. And it's as if Paul, who wrote this, it's that Paul is just so excited about what it means to have a new life in Christ that he just keeps doing this. How many know sometimes you, gotta, you got people, I got kids that do this, like, you know? That's what Paul's doing because he is so excited about this truth. And he shares it to us. And one of the things that you see in this passage, and you'll see it throughout Paul's writing, is a, is a two-word phrase. You'll see it all over the place. And this simple phrase is simply this, in Christ. In Christ. He talks about being in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? This is Paul's understanding. This is his definition for this idea of being a believer and a follower of Jesus. What does that mean? It means that you have fully surrendered your life to Christ. You are in Christ. That's what it means. And he says this, when you are in Christ, when you have surrendered your life, you have your hope, your trust, your belief all in Christ, there are some blessings that come with that. There's some joys that come with it, but I think we have a hard time fully understanding what does it mean to be in Christ. And so I like to use the illustration of a boat. We got a picture of a boat here, okay? It's a super cool boat right here, okay? When you get into a boat, there are some blessings that come, right? How many of you own a boat? Anybody own a boat? Sweet, we're going to be over next summer, okay? I see that hand. Okay. Uh, but when you get into a boat, there are some blessings, right? Number one, you don't get wet. It isn't because you have some superpower in the water like a duck just kind of flows off your back, right? You get in the boat, you don't get wet. That's the joy of being in the boat, right? There's some other things. When you get inside the boat, you're able to go from point A to point B. You can go long distances in a boat. Is it because you're a good swimmer? No, it's because you're in the boat, right? When you get into the boat, you don't have to struggle against the waters the same way everybody else does. Why? Is it because you're a great swimmer? No, it's because you are in the boat, See, the, getting in the boat isn't about you, it's about the boat. And this is what it means when we are in Christ. When you are in Christ, guess what? You don't have the, the stain of sin on you anymore. Is it because you can overcome it all on your own? No, it's because you're in the boat. See, you can go from point A to point B. You can go into the kingdom of God. You can experience heaven forever. Why? Because you're so good? No, because you got inside the boat. And when you're in the boat, there's blessings that come with that. But here's the truth, that there are certain things that we wrestle in and we struggle against in this life. We don't realize that there are some blessings that come when we get inside the boat that can set us free from some of those struggles, some of those things that we strain against. One of my favorite scriptures is this. If anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I think sometimes we think we got we to gotta make ourselves new to get into Christ. We got to get, I hear people say this all the time, when I get my stuff together, then I can come back to church or then I can, you know, no. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. It's about being in the boat. It's not about what you're doing. It's about getting in the boat, giving your life to Christ. Those blessings flow as you are in Christ, all right? And so this morning, we're going to look at a, at a couple points and a couple blessings that come alongside this. Because my fear is, my fear is that oftentimes we, we, can, we can have positive self-talk when it comes to Christianity, that we, we forget the boat part, and we just think, no, I, I'm just, I, I can be good enough. You know, I'll, hear, I'll see people make posts like, I'm strong, I'm good, I'm enough. I'm like, okay, that's good, you're enough for God to love you, but guess what? If you don't get in the boat, you aren't actually strong. If you don't get in the boat, there's not actually enough of your goodness to save you, all right? All that good stuff comes... Not from your strength, not your abilities. It comes from getting in the boat. That's where it is, all right? 
And so we're going to look at two points that come out of this scripture to help us understand a little bit of what I'm talking about. First point is this, in Christ, you are chosen. In Christ, not on your own, in Christ, you are chosen, all right? Some of you know what it's like not to be chosen, right? I know. I know there's times in my life where I felt like I'm not chosen. There's times when you feel like no, everybody's forgetting about you. Some of you like that, you know? Some of you right now, you're, you're living and experiencing that kind of life. You, you feel like, man, I don't have all the stuff. I don't, my parents, they don't give me all the stuff. Like, I, don't, I, I wasn't chosen for good stuff. Everybody forgets about me. I'm, I'm, I'm forgotten, you know? Some of you might be in, you're in your 50s, your 60s, and maybe you've never been married, and you begin thinking, I don't, I don't know if I've ever been chosen. Like, nobody's ever chosen me. I'm, I'm still by myself. I don't feel chosen. Listen, listen, in Christ, you are chosen. You remember elementary school? Remember when you picking teams in elementary school, right? I, I think the Lord doesn't, or the enemy does not want this message to come out, okay? <laughs> Seriously. When you're in elementary school, the, uh, you're sitting out there, the sports team, you got kickball going on, everybody's picking teams, right? You got the, uh, the leaders, you're picking teams. Okay, how many of you know at the end, you don't really feel chosen anymore? You feel like they were stuck with you? You know what I'm saying? Like, like I didn't get, you're like, I guess I'll take that guy, you know? It's like, that's what happened. And see, See, this is how we can feel with Christ. We can look at our own lives and say, I don't know that God, okay, he's willing to deal with me, but he's not really, he doesn't want me. He doesn't want me to be in his kingdom. You would say, you know, he would choose that person because they're super skilled and they're super great and everybody loves them. But God doesn't, no, 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 that's not the truth. When you are in the boat, you are chosen. That's who you are. Look at what it says in verse number four. It says this, uh, right before that says, uh, God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world. You are chosen. And it's not on the basis of your goodness. It's not on the basis of what you bring to the table. It's braced on God and what he has done. Look what it says. You go further into that passage. It says, uh, he, in him, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. You are chosen to be. What does that mean? It means that you aren't chosen because of something. You are chosen to be something, all right? And oftentimes we think, oh man, I, I'm not sure if God, God would say I'm good enough or I'm holy enough, I'm righteous enough. Do you see what it says? You aren't chosen because you're holy and blameless. You are chosen to be holy and blameless. He calls you before you deserve it. That's why this is good news. That's why this is gospel for every single one of us, because he loves us that deeply. You know, when you're on the playground, you get chosen because you got skills, right? Because you're good enough. You're good at kicking the kickball, right? In Christ, we are chosen simply because he is good. And when we surrender and we are found in Christ, he says, you are chosen. It is, it's not because we are something, it is so we can become something. We said this last week, you aren't chosen because of your greatness, you are chosen because of his goodness. And that's the good news for every single one of us. It's not our merit, it's his grace. And this is one that, I know, it feels weird to say that, I'm chosen, uh, I'm, I don't know. It's just reality. See, this whole thing of identity, sometimes it, it forces us to trust and believe when we don't feel it. Because I would guess there's some of you in this room that don't feel chosen. Okay, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, because I'm going to guess there's a lot of your hands that would want to go up. That's not what I'm asking. See, when we are saying we're in Christ, what does it mean? We are believing him. We're believing what he says about us. And sometimes what he says about us is not what we feel. But the reality is this. You are chosen 
in Christ you are chosen. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to tell him. Say, in Christ you are chosen. Say it right now. Okay, now I'm going to have you say something that's even harder. I want you to look at me. I want you to say, in Christ I am chosen. I need you to say it again because I don't think you believe it. In Christ I am chosen. That is the truth. All right? Look at point number two. Point number two is this. Because you aren't just chosen like a, like a cheeseburger at McDonald's. Here's this. You are chosen and you are adopted. You are adopted. I love, I love the idea of being adopted. Look what it says in verse 5. It says this. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Adoption is, I think, is a really cool image, image that we have throughout Scripture, and it's, it's because of this, because it, it kind of makes it feel like we are identityless. We have no family. We have no association. We have no hope. The reality that Scripture paints is that apart from Christ, we are orphans. That's who we are. But in Christ, you are actually adopted. You are brought into his kingdom. You know, as orphans, we feel like we don't belong, like we don't fit in anywhere. And I think if we're honest, that's what we feel in our lives. How many of you, uh, raise your hand if you are an extrovert. How many extroverts? Any extroverts in the house? All right, put your hands down. How many of you are introverts? Just nod. You don't have to raise your hand. Just nod. I don't want to make you, I don't want you to put yourself out there. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm an introvert. I say this, I'm an introvert. Like, I consider myself a high-functioning introvert, but I'm an introvert, okay? And, and for me, I, I say this sometimes, like, the most uncomfortable circumstance for me is, like, going to, like, wedding receptions, like, when there's, like, 300 people, right? Because I got to walk around and I got to talk to people for, like, three hours, like, you know? And, and, but what, what do I do when I go into a room? When I go into a room like that, what's the first thing I look for? I look for people I know, right? How I many you know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't, I look at, who do I know? Do I know anybody? I'm going to go try to talk to those people. Why? Because I'm looking to see where do I fit in, right? All of us do that. We want to know what, what's our place, where do we fit in? The reality is that in this world, we don't. The reality is we are orphans. We don't have a home. That's the reality. That apart from Christ, there is no hope for us. But in Christ, you have been brought near. And not just simply brought near saying, eh, you're all right. Eh, we'll let you sleep on the couch. No, you have been adopted is God's children. You have been brought into the family of Christ. You have been given a new name, a new family, new a new association, brand new life. You are sons and daughters of the king. That's who you are. That is something that can never be taken away from you. You might try to strive for other things, but there is nothing better than that definition that you are a son or a daughter of the king. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 3. It says this, so, so in Christ, because you are in the boat, you are all children of God through faith. It goes on a few verses later in Galatians 4 verse 7. It says this, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. There are blessings that come when you are God's child. I needed a helper this morning. So I'm going to invite up my boy. Can you give it up for my son, Levi? He loves me so much. Look what he's wearing. Bears jersey. It's awesome. All right, how old are you, Levi? Nine. Nine. When's your birthday? The 30th. So how old are you going to be? 
Do you want people to buy you presents? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Do you want me to buy you a present? Yeah. Okay. We'll do that. All right. Uh, so this is my son, Levi. He's super cool. And uh, there's some blessings that he has. Listen, I love your kids. I think they're awesome. Around here, we got some amazing kids in our elementary area and our younger ones, even the high schoolers. It's great. But at the end of the day, I don't want your kids coming to my house, okay? I don't want that. I'm not taking them home. When they're crying, I'm not dealing with it. That's yours to deal with, okay? This one's mine, though. He's mine. Like, no matter what, he's mine. There's some blessings being my kid, okay? What are some of the blessings? Uh, what does Daddy like a lot and we go out for a lot? Ice cream. Yeah. Daddy likes ice cream. So in the Lynn's house, we get ice cream. And sometimes do we tell mom, uh, or do we say don't tell mom? Yep. Yep. Yeah, we say don't, don't tell mom what's going on. And we sneak out and we go get ice cream, okay? Because it's way cooler when you think mom doesn't want you to go get ice cream. <laughs> okay, that's just the fun part. Now, do I let you sleep in a bed? Yes. Okay, do you pay for that bed? No. Okay. So, so that's a part of the blessing. You get that. Who bought you this jersey? Yeah, I, I bought you this jersey because uh, I'm a good dad. Okay. I didn't buy a Viking shirt. I've been protecting him from the Viking stuff. Okay. All right, there's just bli there's blessings with being my son, right? You know what? When, when he wakes up in the morning, he's not concerned about where the meal's coming from. Like, you know, dad's got this, right? Like when it's time to put some clothes on, he's not wondering, like, what am I going to do? I'm freaking out here. No, no. Why? Because he's my son. He doesn't even have to knock on the door when he shows up to the house. Like, he can just walk right on in. Why? Because he's my kid. Like, my stuff, like, I want to pour out. Listen, the day that he was born, the day that he was born was one of the greatest days of my entire life. You know, like, when I got to look at him and I said, there wasn't like, hey, oh, good, I got a new lawnmower in the house. That's good. You know? I looked at him, he couldn't do anything. He brought no true value to the home. He didn't bring any money. He didn't have any stuff with him. He didn't bring a new car with him. He didn't bring anything with him. He was naked and pooping all over the place, right? <laughs> Sorry, that might have been over the line. <laughs> He's potty trained now. We're good. But he didn't do any of that stuff. But guess what? He's my son. I don't care. He's my son. You know what? There's sometimes in his life, you know this, Levi, there's sometimes when I say, hey, bud, hey, you don't need to live like that. You can treat somebody better than that because you're better than that. You're stronger than that. But guess what? Even if he doesn't do the right thing, he's still my son. When he makes mistakes, and you make mistakes, right? So do I, right? <laughs> We may, I, I go to him, I say, listen, you're still my son. I love you desperately, you know? And guess what? There's going to be times in life, Levi, there's times in your life when you're going to get older, and there's going to be times where you're going to do some stuff, and maybe I didn't like you doing that. It's going to happen. Guess what? You're still my son, and I love you completely. And when you get older, you get older, you might do what I want you to do, you might not. Things that might go awesome in your life, you might succeed, and sometimes you might hit hard times, but guess what? You're my son. And I love you with everything in me. Nothing will change that. Nothing you do will ever change that. Everything that is mine is yours. I give it to you because I love you. I care about you that much. And I will never, I will never take that back. There's no like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to return him to the hospital. 
There's none of that. You are mine. All right? I care about you that much. Your mom and I love you completely. All right? And this is what some of you need to understand. That that's how your heavenly father feels about you. You are chosen and you are adopted. You are brought into the family. And some of you, you had really junky family experiences. Some of you had parents that did not care about you. Some of you had moms that treated you horribly. Some of you had dads that left altogether. You need to hear this, that when you are in Christ, not because you're so great, not because you bring something to the table, but because God is so good, he brings you into his family. And you are his. You don't need to go try and earn anything. You get to stand in the confidence and the security of who you are in Christ. It doesn't produce arrogance. It can produce confidence. Listen, he doesn't have to worry about things. There aren't those strains that he has in life because he's my son and he knows I will take care of him, right? I'm here for you no matter what. And that's how your heavenly father sees you. But we act like he doesn't, oh, God, are you going to, do you care about me? Do you, do you? I want to close with the big so what. Levi, you can go down. Thanks, buddy. You give it up for Levi. I want to close with our big so what. We always ask the question, so what? And this is the challenge that we leave for everybody here this morning. It says, live from, not for. Live from, not for. We spend a lot of our energy living for an identity. Trying to attain an identity. Maybe you try doing that with people. In your life, I'm straining towards some success because I think, man, if I could just get to the next position, if I could get to the next status, if I, could, if I could influence it, if I could get this relationship, oh, man, if I could just marry this person or if I could just have the, and, and that's what we're seeking. We're always trying to look for an identity, and we do the same thing with God. With God, we're always trying, to, I hope I'm good enough for him. I hope, he, I hope he's happy with me. I, I, I hope it's, it's good enough. Listen, listen, stop, stop. When we live our lives that way, it is suffocating. And hear this, that is not gospel. That's not good news. If everything that you have to do is earned, that's not good news. That's tiring. That's exhausting. But the reality and the challenge for us is that we would live from, not for. Live from the position of who you are in Christ. That you wake up in the morning and you don't say, oh man, I hope I don't screw up and I hope God's not. No, no, no. God Thank you for calling me your son. Thank you for calling me your daughter. God, I pray that you would help me to live from that position today. That I wouldn't lower myself and live like an orphan. That I would live like I'm everybody else. No, you are not everybody else. Everybody else is looking for their place in life. Young student, young girl, when you encounter that boy and that boy says, hey, come get in this bed and then, then maybe you'll be something. No, no, you don't have to say, uh, well, that's where I'll find my identity. No, you get to say no. A daughter of Christ doesn't live that way. I don't need that junk, right? When you're face to face with a sin and temptation, man, when you're struggling in the dark room and there's a struggle there, rather than saying, oh, I'm just a weak guy. No, you say, I'm a son of God. Why would I give in to that temptation? I don't need to live that way. It's not that I'm so strong. I am in Christ, and in Christ, I am more than that. I am more than a conqueror. That's who I am in Christ, right? When we can begin to understand who we are, not striving for, but living from who we are, it changes the way we view our world. It changes your day. It changes where your hope is. Your hope is not in yourself. Your hope is not in what you can do. Your hope is in Christ. You don't go to social media looking for likes. 
because we need more likes because that's what that'll satisfy my soul no 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 I am God's daughter I am God's son I don't need to get my validation from someone else I can receive it from Christ and that's the only validation that won't be revoked you know the next day you don't need to post another post and say oh man I hope I get liked again today you can say no I'm God's uh, somebody gave me a book called victory over darkness by Neil Anderson if you haven't read it I encourage you it's a it's a great book but it was the moment when I began to understand this for the very first time. Because I, I'd spent all my life striving to try and earn, to try and find an identity. And the first time I began to realize that in Christ, there is an identity that can never be taken. It's not earned, it's given. And we talk about trusting Jesus, believing Jesus. It isn't always just believing who He is, it's believing who He says you are. And that's maybe a bigger battle for some of us. Because we can believe that he is big, he's powerful, that he's perfect. But we have a hard time believing that everything he promises is truly true for us. We have a hard time trusting that. We don't see it because we, we, we know our own failures. You know your own failures. You know you're not good enough on your own. But remember, you're in the boat. And when you're in the boat, there's some blessings that come with that. And it's not up to you. It's up to you to trust. And inside of one of his books, Neil Anderson pulls a number of these promises, a number of these things that, that we can believe in who we are, this identity that we have in Christ. And I just want to read these to you because my prayer this morning is that the, the Holy Spirit would, would awaken some of this to your own heart. That you begin to recognize who you are in Christ. Because this is what Scripture says, that in Christ you are God's child. That you are Christ's friend. You are justified. You are united with the Lord. You are bought with a price. You belong to God. You are a member of Christ's body and you are a saint. I know it feels weird. You don't feel like a saint. You don't earn being a saint. That is who you are in Christ. Since you've been adopted as God's child, you have access to God through the Holy Spirit. Think of that. Like my son has access, you have access to the king of kings because you are his child. You've been redeemed. You've been forgiven. You are complete in Christ. You are free forever from condemnation. You are assured that all things work together for your good. You are free from any charge against you. You cannot be separated from the love of God. You are established. You are anointed. You are sealed by God. You are hidden with Christ in God. You can be confident that the good work God has begun in you will be perfected. You don't always feel that way, but you can be confident. He is going to finish that work in you. You're a citizen of heaven. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and a sound mind. You can find grace and mercy when you need it. You are born of God. You are the salt, and you are the light of the earth. You are a branch of the true vine. You are chosen. You are appointed. You are a personal witness of God. You, you, doesn't make sense. You are the temple of God. It's crazy. You're a minister of reconciliation for God. You are God's co-worker. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. You are God's workmanship. 
you may approach God with freedom and confidence. You can withstand all things through Christ who strengthens you. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's who you are. That's the blessings that you get. And it's not because you earn it. It's because you are in Christ. What would happen if every single one of us would actually believe that? And we would live from the position that God has given us. We would live from the hope that he's made available for us. Not living for an identity out there. Not trying to find it in something else, in that next career, that next home, that next car, that next job, that next relationship, that next team you're going to make, whatever it is. No, no, no. What if we just settled in this? God, I'm yours. Wouldn't we be able to make a bigger difference? Because rather than looking to suck the life from everybody else, we could actually be the conduit of life that God intended us to be. Full of his hope, full of his joy, full of his peace. Because we know who we are and what is available. You are a victor through Christ. That is your privilege. I pray for every one of us that that is what we would live. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? God.